Welcome to another episode of the In the Gap podcast. I'm Jason Tabris. Uh, so baseball season is basically done. Uh, as I'm recording this, we're, we're about to go into game six and seven of the World Series. Once this is live, we'll have a World Series champion. I suppose I should just kind of try to like rig the system here so that it looks like that like I recorded this in a more timely fashion. So I'd just be like, wow, I can't believe the Phillies came back. They went to Houston and they got it done. What an amazing play by insert ball player name here. Just completely just stunning, stunning performance by the Phillies to take it. Good for them. Just really uh, amazing for their fans. And then I can do one for like, you know, I mean, I thought the Astros were on the ropes there at one point, but they they took care of, they went home, they took care of business and Dusty Baker got his ring and you, know, you got to tip your cap to him. All right. Now we're covered for whatever, every eventuality of whoever wins the World Series. Um, but anyway, so the season is done. And now comes, uh, it's like 1B from like, the season is 1A. You can't, you know, you cannot, uh, baseball games and just the the overall drama of the full season and the whole thrust of that is is unparalleled. But hot stove season is 1B uh, in my heart and mind. I, I really do love hot stove season. We kind of got robbed of one last season. Uh, it was just very, obviously very uneven. And then there was a quick dash to sign everybody, especially if you're a Mets fan. Um and so this season is going to be a little bit more normal, and we're going to see what happens. But I've got a lot, I'm just putting a lot of attention lately into sort of uh, trying to figure out exactly what the Mets are going to do. It's all for naught. It's all for fun because you never know uh, what's going to happen. And, you know, Jacob DeGrom could opt out and go play for the, the Rangers, the Astros, the Braves. Who knows? You know, Nimmo could go to the Rockies was the latest rumor. Edwin Diaz could sign with the, the Yankees. Who knows? Um and I'm sure uh, your team, uh, you've got players that uh, are free agents that you're a little nervous about. Uh, I know Yankee fans are real nervous about Aaron Judge and if he's going to go somewhere else. Carlos Rodon with the Giants and on and on and on and all these other players. Verlander with the Astros, is he going to stick around? Is he going to go someplace else? Um, there's all these questions. Again, just abundant possibilities for what the next baseball season will hold. Just endless ways to kind of dream on uh, what the roster of your favorite team is going to do even teams that have been out of it for a while. The Orioles, there's so many rumors that the Orioles are actually going to like reach into their pockets and spend some money on some on some free agents and maybe bring in some starting pitching to help uh, kind of supplement that young core that they've got. So uh, this episode is all about sort of well, it's all about the Mets. I'm going to just be completely upfront with you. I'm a Mets fan. My guest on this episode is Josh Adams, who's a comic book illustrator. Uh, I want a Pulitzer Prize uh, for some work that he did for Insider. Um, Previously, he's illustrated Doctor Who. He's worked for DC. Um, he, again, really cool guy. I interviewed him a billion years ago. One of my first interviews at one of my first Comic Cons, like 2011, 2012. He was very gracious. Um, I interviewed him and then I interviewed his father, the legendary uh, Neil Adams. Uh, so um, Josh is just a cool guy. I follow him on Twitter. Back when, you know, Twitter was... <laughs> uh, still a cesspool, but we're, we're kind of still sorting out exactly how bad it is. But uh, Josh has been a fun guy to follow. Uh, he is super knowledgeable baseball fan, a uh, super knowledgeable Mets fan. And so I wanted to talk to him. Uh, and so we we talked a bit about the Mets. He's huge on prospects, uh, just a really knowledgeable guy. We talked about the Mets and, and you know, what we kind of think is going to happen this offseason. Uh, there was some conversation about just this season itself and Josh's baseball fandom and and uh, of course, you know, there's the 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 always present conversation about uh, baseball movies, which I, I am completely obsessed with. But um, it's a great chat. Again, it's all about the Mets. It's all about, you know, again, the regular season, the, the off season. not so much about the playoffs. It seems like a little bit of a sore subject for, for some people. Um, not really something I want to delve into, but it's a cool chat. So give it a listen and then we'll uh, check back and give you all the information how you can follow Josh uh, and check out some of his amazing work. Uh, when I was interviewing your dad, uh, Guillermo del Toro walked up to us and basically just started a conversation with your father. And I'm like, go, yes. you two talk, go do your thing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. He, I remember that. He, uh, he came over to me. Yeah, he came over to me after that one. That was, yeah. I remember that year. Yeah. He was, was so awesome. Was, yeah. He, he was, yeah, that was, that was an awesome, uh, that was, <laughs> it was just like watching. Yep. I'm just gonna let geniuses do their thing and I'll hang back here for a second. And, um <laughs> in fact you know what that year that was that was before i was a baseball fan <laughs> oh for real for real i was i was uh i was not really i, I mean i was i watched baseball as a kid but that i, I wasn't really actively watching baseball at that point but so yeah, what turned the what turned the corner for you 
uh it's, it's strangely enough um my first apartment is what was the my, the first like place i bought uh that i owned um is what changed it for me because i close I, I we moved into the first apartment i ever bought in uh june of 2015 and we were right down the road we were like right down the highway like basically right you know I could see the seven line. I started, I could see city field and the seven line, obviously from, uh, from my balcony. And so I was in Rigo park in Queens and uh, I was like, Oh, hell, let's, why don't we just go to, go to a Mets game? You know, it's like, you know, 20 minutes from us. And, uh, we just went and like, that was their, you know, their season. Um, and I, it hadn't really turned around at that point for them, but like it, I, I was, into it enough that like I would go to a few games here and there and I kind of got rehooked into it. Uh I, my first memory of liking baseball was um liking Daryl Strawberry. Um mm. uh, because he was like the you know the lefty power bat and you know as a as a kid like I'm left-handed so you know having having like anything that I could associate being left-handed with as like a cool thing uh, was, was like, like clicked with me. Um, I didn't like in my mind being a little kid, I didn't realize like there's tons of left-handed hitters, but Daryl Strawberry was a star <laughs> and, and, you know, people loved him and he had a cool name. So like, it's those weird, like little things that hook you into it. Oh, um, for sure. My favorite uh, baseball player growing up was Don Mattingly. And that was because yeah. I picked his card out of a garbage bag. Uh, that my cousin had given me, and I think it was the eye black that was like, "Yeah, this guy's cool. This is my guy." Yeah, the yeah. hitman, he's badass. Yeah, he's still cool. Like I love Don Mattingly. I, I uh, during uh, we went to um, my wife and I went to uh, and 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 one of my best friends. We went to uh, David Wright's last game, mm. and um, we made different signs for the game. And one of them was I, I painted uh, a big sign of Mr. Burns. And and with a with the word balloon saying Mattingly, I told you to shave those sideburns. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, I don't know if he saw it, but I feel like if he would have seen it, he'd have given it a nod. Like <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, I don't know if he would have seen it, he might have given it another season. He might have just <laughs> would have just like yeah. Sorry, it was the game was against the Marlins. That's why I bring it up. So oh, I, I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. He was in the he was in the dugout um, managing that game. It's funny though. So, the, so, but jumping back to where you were, were with 2015 with that magic season kind of clicking for you again this year with the Mets. When I yeah. stopped following the Yankees, I went to follow the Orioles for a time. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I have a cousin who's a, a huge Mets fan, and he like it was, it's nice to have somebody to share it with, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, this season again was another one where it was just like last season was great, and I enjoyed watching it. But I maybe watched 30, 40, 50 games this year. I think I watched every single game or listen to it on the radio. Like I wouldn't miss it. It was like when I was a kid, it's just the winning is just this amazing uh, thing. Uh, Unless I guess you're a Mets fan who believes that uh, they didn't win the whole thing. So it's worthless. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I never understood the, like they won 101 games and yes, they did not, they did not make it into deep into the playoffs, but they won 101 games. I mean, like you can't be, you can't be pissed off at the end because you know, the, the path getting there was fantastic. I mean, how can you, I mean, there's some unforgettable games this season. I think back to like, you know, Mets versus Cardinals with the, was it a five run comeback uh, in the, in the ninth inning or something like that? I think so. I was worried you were going to say the Phillies one where they uh, came back with, was it nine runs in the ninth inning? I think it was, I think it was a six run deficit and they came back from with, by scoring seven runs, something like that. I just remember that the run, the, the one against the Cardinals was the five run deficit that they came back from and, you know, Ron Darling and, and Gary Cohen and, and, and Keith were all going about how, like, you know, it was like the most amazing comeback ever. And the Mets are like, just you wait, you know, yeah. we got a bigger one in us. <laughs> I uh, for that Phillies one, uh, I was there and I got sick. And so I left in like the seventh inning when they were down by like eight or nine runs, however many it was that they came back from. And it's one of those things where I get home. and I'm like 45 minutes from Philadelphia right now. And so I get home and you put the game on and it's literally like the cliche of like, that's the greatest comeback of all time. <laughs> you are not the only one who has that story too. I was, mm. I was watching that game. Um, actually, I wasn't watching the game. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't watching the game. 
um, I was having dinner with my wife where we were home and um, I think I checked the score and I was like, it's a blowout. And, and, you know, if I start watching a game from the beginning, like I'll watch it through the ninth, but if I come in late and it's like a blowout and like, eh, you know, I might, I might skip it, but um, it's a blowout. And I was talking to my friend, a friend of mine, and he had already left the game and he was like waiting for like the subway or he'd just gotten on the subway or something. And uh, he left in like the eighth inning. And so uh, like we were, we were talking and I turned the game on and that's when the comeback started. And it was like, you realize like they had to come back because you left. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got. Don't go to any more that. Yeah, I, I had people teasing me for that. Every every game I went to the rest of the season, people were urging me to leave in like the seventh inning if they were losing. So that, felt, <laughs> that felt nice. Um, but yeah. jumping back to that thing about like the, the whole, you know, if you don't win at all, it's, it's worthless thing. Yeah. The whole billionaire owner thing, the whole like, you know, if we don't win at all, it's worthless thing. Feel like Yankee notions to me. Uh, they're kind of bleeding into to Mets fan. And I don't know, maybe that's always been a thing. I don't know. But the Yankee side of it, of just like, you know, we're the only ones with history. We're the, you know, we're the only ones with great players. You know, if we don't win championships every year, it's a failure. And it's like, I, I don't care if you guys won 100 games. If, if you didn't win the whole thing, it's it's worthless. Like, to me, it's just so joyless. It's not like I'm getting a playoff share. I don't, you know. Yeah, exactly. And And you're getting, like, again, you can't, you can't watch the season for the end. You have to watch the season for the season. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just a, a silly notion that, that everything's ruined because they didn't make it all the way to the end. I mean, there was some great, like, you know, I, I watched the, the 2016 Mets where they made it to the wild card and they got shut out by Madison Bumgarner. I have some incredible memories about that season. I love that season, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like poo poo it because they didn't make go all the way. You know, like what, so, so I'm supposed to be mad now because that happened. Like, yeah, one team gets to win it all. And, and going into this playoffs now, we have 300 plus win teams lose it. Mm-hmm. So, so how can you, you know, I mean, are you going to say that the Dodgers were a failure? Are you going to say that the Braves were a failure? I mean, I mean, it's nice to hear that now. So it's not just the Mets. <laughs> you know, yeah. there was like a week where it was like every single like story was about how the Mets like just blew it. And it's like, okay, it's nice to have company uh, with the Dodgers uh, and they're 111 win. I am shocked the Dodgers. I honestly, I thought the Mets could take the Dodgers if it got yeah, down to they, it. I, I had a feeling of that because they had played them not terribly. Yeah. Um, ditto the Phillies and honestly ditto the Cardinals. I, I was worried most about the Braves. I was not worried at all about the Padres. That's that's done me, frankly. Well, you know, I look back at the season, and you know, apart from that last sweep, which was a brutal, brutal sweep, you know, for the for the Mets against the Braves, um, I think the Mets played incredibly well against the Braves. Um, and the only time where they really got their asses handed to them were on games where the starters got hurt. There's yeah, three. Sure. I mean, you know, they took three. Sorry, I shouldn't say that because there were there were three games that they legitimately lost for no particular reason. But there was three games that they lost because, uh, you know, Taylor Walker got hurt, Carlos Carrasco got hurt, yeah. and then uh, I forget what the third one was. But I just remember being like, they'd have swept that five game set had had Walker not seemingly like he denied getting injured, but he clearly got hurt. Yeah, like, definitely. You know, you don't you don't get tagged the way you get tagged after stumbling during a pitch and then having no composure after that. Um, and then, you know, Carrasco had to come out early in one of his games. I forget what, I, I still can't remember what the third one was, but I think they did, you know, they did well. Um, the Braves are a great team. Like, I, I, I mean, they, they pull up guys from double A who turn into, you know. Yeah. Superstars. That's the thing. The lineup is so like, just, it's just endless. And it's the whole, but it's the organization too. That organization yeah, yeah, is so smart. I mean, the the way that they they sign their sign their homegrown talent to long term contracts that are super team friendly, that's crazy good. I'm oh yeah, crazy. I wish, I'm waiting for the Mets to do that with with McNeil and with Alonzo, and it just seems well, they're to, taking their sweet time. Alonzo's becoming a, a bona fide superstar. He's oh yeah, they're going to wind up having to pay him three million change. dollars. Yeah, you know, it's it's they've missed the boat on Alonzo. They're going to pay him a ton of money to stick around. And McNeil, I mean, I think McNeil, they can get him on a fairly team-friendly contract because of his age. Yeah, because he'd be like 32 or 33, I think, when he's finally a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. I'm Something like that. And so so if you if you pay him, I, you know, I, I don't know what to speculate, but he's also got a track record of injury as well. So, mm. I mean, 
what what's the what's the balance um but you know going back to you know what what uh, i think the yankees talk you know i i growing up um after i kind of stopped watching baseball when i was a kid um you know the yankees were an easy team to hate <laughs> you know like they had all this money uh anytime a superstar you know became a free agent they signed them um and so it was just like like you kind of want to root for you know, a team that's got all these homegrown guys, these guys you kind of watched grow up, um, you know, your Alonzo's, your McNeil's, uh, you know, hopefully in the future, Francisco Alvarez, guys like that. And like, be like, yeah, these were the guys who, you know, they came up here and they've been here and, you know, there are guys um, or those like hidden gems that like were middling off in some other team that, you know, got traded like Marcana, you know, who was batting, you know, in the two thirties before he came to the Mets ready that high on base percentage but he came to the Mets and he started to flourish any concern that the Mets are going to turn into that hateable it seems like uh I feel like uh just from watching the response to them getting beat by the Padres that they're yeah. kind of uh there uh at, by virtue of the the 288 not 290 I read that today 288 million dollar payroll so they say just under that threshold uh with the with the with the tax but 288 million dollar payroll and and you know there's a lot of rumors about oh they might you know sign judge or they might trade for Otani and is any way that they might turn into that and you might have to ask a moral question if you want to root for the bad guys now (laughs) from what I've heard uh from you know what Billy Epler said is and and people have speculated I guess on what Billy Epler was saying is that the spending right now is not to be the team that always buys the biggest free agent as much as it is to bridge the gap between the team that can be sort of like the Dodgers that will spend money but will grow talent and will have a strong farm system to trade and will have be a dynamic team. Looking at the free agent market right now, though, it's like the Grom, Nimmo, Diaz, there is yeah. no the second place for for those positions is far down the line. So I do yeah. worry that if they lost some of those guys, they might have to reflexively bring in like a Carlos Rodon or or Judge. Although I, well, I, I yeah, the question I think the question that they that that they have to ask themselves, and you know, speaking as just a guy who draws comic books, I'm not like an authority here. I just like the game. Um, is where I mean, where were they weak? you know, and, and how can they strengthen those areas? And if they have to lose things in certain areas, you know, are the areas, you know, if they have to lose, you know, Brandon Nimmo's, you know, uh, excellent on base percentage as a leadoff hitter, you know, is it worth it to rather add a bigger bat to the lineup in place of him, you know, or if you're going to lose the ground because you don't want to pay $40 million a year or whatever it's going to cost to keep him, is, you know, can you fill in your rotation with two, you know, B-level starters compared to that A-level starter? And does that win you more games? Because it is great as, I mean, as great as DeGrom is as a pitcher, and he's a phenomenal pitcher, and I would love for him to stay, the Mets don't win games when he plays. You know, like, so does it make more sense to give you a better shot for two days of wins than it does to pay for one day of, of hopefully a guaranteed win? That's just weird. I mean, there's just a weird dynamic there to them not scoring when he's on the mound. Like, there's nothing like there's no real like rhyme or reason to it. It's just a weird one of the quirks of the game. It's like it's 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 one of those like I I always joke of like like don't anger the baseball gods, where it's like they have this. It's like like you know Greek mythology where like they say like oh he's the you know he's the greatest pitcher in the world, but you know he didn't you know make a sacrifice to Poseidon, so we're never going to let him go home. You know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah, nuts. He doesn't even have a hundred wins uh, as as dominant as he's been. It's it's insanity. Insanity. Um, I he scares me. I will say though it, that contract scares me just because of how much it could limit them if if they're if they're wrong and he's you know pedestrian or or injured constantly, which I can see. It's a lot of questions, and that's why yeah. you know I'm sure that you know Billy Epler was was measuring his words when he when he talked. Oh, about sure, it. yeah. He said like look he knows he knows where we're at and we know where he's at and that was that's about as neutral a statement as you can make that's like that's like saying tomorrow will be morning you know like i, I don't <laughs> like they should, uh um but there's all you know there's all these expectations in baseball and 
you know, fans have, fans hop on Twitter and, and, you know, speculate all these different things and demand all these different things. It's like a, it's like a, like a whole social media platform of Salicata just making ridiculous, bold statements constantly, you know, like just, he's not the worst. I don't remember the guy on SNY who is like the most high pitched New York. Oh my God. Yeah. I I think I know who you're talking about. I can't, I have to turn the channel. It's like, it's like a, it's like in a dog whistle. (laughs) I have to turn the channel off. I can't. And he's excited about, he's overexcited about everything. Well, I just know, I know, I know Salicata pops up on Twitter and just says things for, you know, engagement, you know, like, like he's, he's fine with being hated by saying something absolutely preposterous, you know, he'll, you know, like, like, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the Mets will, will lose, uh, I don't know, Edwin Diaz will blow one save and they'll be like, boy, this trade didn't work out for us at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he'll like post it in all caps, <laughs> just, just like inciting rage and it's like to me it's like it's like an art form i love i love people who can just go on twitter and just make people hate you hate them like and just drive up their engagement it's the most wonderful thing i've ever i can't seen. do it i couldn't do it i i would i, think, I, I can't do it myself but yeah anxiety attack over over the first uh response over the first cross response no that's my that's yeah that's my thing it's just like like you know social media man that's a that's a mess of a world but anyone yeah. who goes out there just like and owns it Good for them, you know. They figured out the game because it's it's not a form of reasonable communication. No, no, it's I think, not. If, I think if anything, the Mets proved that this season. <laughs> I'm surprised there weren't more uh, tweets calling for uh, Showalter's head after the season. <laughs> Showalter was was wonderful. I, oh, I fantastic! And also, it's so much fun. And I was I was telling my cousin this when uh, when uh, they hired him. I said, "You're gonna love these press conferences." <laughs> because he's he's like this like country uh he's like this country fried uh philosopher uh <laughs> I, and he has only uh increased with age I, I gotta say uh he was in rare form this year like i feel like he, he took it to another couple of levels uh <laughs> it, was really, it was really something else uh honestly I, yeah he he uh absolutely um hilarious and he's a character he's the exact opposite of these like sort of cookie cutter like you know robo 40 year old you know former catchers who have no like it's just like give me the thought like just just basically a turnstile from the front office like this is the data take the data hit with the data bundle up the folder use it as a bat like basically that kind of thing uh whereas he's like you know it, it uses it but i love when people ask him about it and he acts like it's you know it's it's obviously been around for years it's not like his new Oh wait, hold on. Guys getting on base? What? What? This guy gets into the ship? What? It's so crazy. Yeah, like it's it's seen it before. My first memory, my first like noticing him, because I mean I remember when he was with the RLs and things, but I didn't like listen to a lot of like other managers talking about the game. Um when I guess it was I guess it was preseason, or maybe it was the beginning of the season, Showalter was in his office being interviewed by by the press and um uh, he was showing them photos of of the new dog that he got for his wife, which is a basset hound, and uh, he's showing that he's showing he's showing the the, the dog to everyone. And um, one of the press goes goes, "What's your name?" And he immediately responds by telling him his telling them his wife's name, as if like <laughs> he's like, "I got this for my wife. I got this dog for my wife." Oh, what's her name? Angela. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> I hope it ends well for him here. I do. I do hope that uh, they're able to uh, get far because he's had such a career. And I, to me, he's a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame character. And I don't know that we're ever going to see those guys get into the Hall of Fame again. Uh, yeah. so I, I'm sort of hoping for that as well. But uh, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's a good start for him. It and, is. And but you always the I, I it was it was a good start, but I also was wincing a little at the sort of the, the narrative of wow we're definitely in the build them up phase right now. Yeah. So, oh, you mean, oh, you mean like, Oh, once they're built, like once they're built up, oh, yeah. they're going to them? knock them right off that pedestal. Like I feel like next season, if they, if they, if they, if, if in June next season, they're like five games under 500, they're going to come out with what oh, they work. Yeah. Well, if they had built them up into this time. genius like level thing. And then I saw some of the cracks, with some of the decisions and, and rightfully so like Darren Ruff, I don't understand, but I know how he is. He He's someone who trusts veteran 
uh, bats. But at, and, and at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, he's not the one who really makes the choice if he's on the team. And no, so but the lineup. I mean, he like putting like putting him in game two instead of Alvarez, which worked. I mean, I mean, granted, only because Ruff got hit and drew a walk, but uh, yeah. that was kind of a mind-boggling decision. And when, you, and when you look at it with the news of the day, uh, Alvarez just got surgery on his yeah, ankle. Yeah, that's true. That's so, so he's at what he's supposed to go out there at the highest pressure environment with a you know with like an injection in his ankle and like do something. I don't think so. I think uh, that's looked, the only... that kid looked shook though against the Braves, like in that first game, like yeah, that was headline stuff. I mean, but they, uh, they should have called them up earlier. That was like yeah, that was that that was the obvious one, and it was one of those things where like they called up Brett Beatty, and he he had magic in his bat for that first AB, and he started to figure shit out, and he got injured. Yeah, they called up Vientos, and he struggled a little bit, but he did hit a dinger and looked like he may have been starting to figure some stuff out. And they were just hoping, like maybe third time's a charm, they're going to th- bring up another top prospect, and he'll he'll find that magic too. But no, it didn't work, and and he was injured, and like like it was a desperation move. That's that's all it was. When I was watching, uh, I, I watched. Uh, I usually I don't watch after my team's eliminated, but I, that's the, the the high I'm coming off of from the Mets this season is so strong that I'm still craving baseball. So mm-hmm. I was watching the uh, Guardians uh, Yankees game. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were talking about how they had like seven rookies on the team and how much confidence they put into them. And, and I was thinking like the Mets could use that to a certain extent. Like there was, you know, go with yeah. your guys, bring them up and, you know, roll the dice, not be so precious. I feel that that was a little, but again, that's not on buck. That's an organizational decision. And there wasn't like a deep need. Uh, catcher. Well, and, and, you know, funny enough, I mean, two of those players were, were former Mets, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very true. Um, um but yeah, I mean, I, I I was rooting for the Guardians because I love Andres Jimenez, and you know, and and in 2020 when the Mets called up Jimenez, it was that was one of those things. I mean, he hadn't figured himself out just yet, but that dude has such a high baseball IQ, and he has so many tools. Like the things he did in 2020, if you just pull up a highlight reel of, of him from 2020, it is wild. That dude just he played every part of the game amazingly well. It's nice when a trade works out for both sides. It's it's uh, it you, know, yeah. you don't necessarily want to rip somebody off, uh, nor do you want to go the other way. Like I feel like, I think I feel like the Mets are destined to regret the rough trade. Um, <laughs> yes, because well, you know I, I like I don't think that that JD Davis was really going to find his stuff on the Mets again. Like no, I, think I don't the, either. The dynamic of the team, but he is a proven hitter with dead even splits. And the ability to hit for 300 in a season. Um, what they got for him, a 36-year-old player, and and only, I mean, for him and three other players to get Darren Ruff, a 36-year-old who only has, you know, can only hit against lefties and not a great track record is I don't understand it at all. I went to um one of the later the Labor Day series against the Pirates. I went to Pittsburgh. Um yeah. And uh, we we got rained out the first game. I was I went with the like the specific. Okay, I'm going to see Degrom pitch. Yeah, and of course I missed out because the rain out. We went to that series. I literally walked into the first game like right as Marte's finger got broken. Um, but uh, we were we checked into the hotel. The guy sees me with the Mets hat and he calls me over. He asks, "Can I ask you a question?" My friends tell me I look like Darren Ruff. Do I look like Darren Ruff? And I thought for a split second like this is one of those like MLB Network like prank things. <laughs> He really looked like Darren Ruff, like really. And now I'm not convinced that at some point that guy didn't just sneak into the locker room and take Darren Ruff's place, and nobody noticed throughout the season as he yeah, was just hey, so yeah. swinging the bat, and swinging the bat as well as Darren Ruff did that. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know, but I, I, that's this, that's my theory that Darren Ruff <laughs> got replaced sometime in September with some hotel manager from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on the on the on the run of his life. Uh, couldn't quite keep up with the fastball, but boy, was he having fun. Uh, that's my uh, theory, at least. There's not many. There's not many players in baseball that I really don't like. Like they're all just guys playing the game. Twenty six you know? guys in the Yankees, I think, <laughs> counts. I saw the the rocking the baby thing after the Guardians game, which was yeah. Well, Josh Naylor kind of. I know, but literally, like, I feel like it would have been hilarious if Torres would have missed the ball because he was so working on his choreography. To nail the rocking the baby it was so quick like it's like i would understand that like after jumping up and down for a second but to have that be your first thought is very indicative of these times where it's more important to kind of you know 
slam your rival yeah. and celebrate your own successes. I don't see. I don't. I don't mind like the expression of personality in certain. Like, oh no, I don't mind it at all. I just I, to me, it's just I can't process how one could like if I had just caught the ball that launched my team into the ALCS, I'd be yeah. static about that, and then I'd come back down and be like, oh, and fuck you. Like, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be like fuck everything else. I'm gonna make yeah. this guy right now. Like that's just that's I, I couldn't be there. I was gonna say that yeah, like I I, I like the I like the celebration, I like the personality. But I also like respect that like it's an incredibly hard sport. Like oh, yeah. make sure you get the make sure you get the the things right that you gotta get right. And then you can do your thing. Like catch the ball, get on your feet, do your thing, like get settled, and then you can, you know, say fuck you to whoever you want, you know, you know, all, all that stuff. There's like watching players who like who will like pimp a home run that ends up being like a fly out. It's like, dude, you're you're angering the baseball gods, you know. They see you doing doing your thing, and they're like, "Let's just give a little little you know wind blown in for you, and 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 bring that ball down." It's you that, know? but it's also the guys that are uh, to me. It's the guys that are also hitting like one sixty, <laughs> and and hit a home run. Like I think it was a guy in the Marlins who did that this year, and it was like, yeah. buddy, like again, I want I, I I'm all for expression, but it just feels like you're hitting yeah. one sixty and you're losing ten to one, and you just hit a home run. It's like, yeah, if you if you hit your go ahead home run do your thing if you hit like your record breaking home run do your thing if you just put nice in on the cake go ahead like celebrate it but i have the most yeah. embarrassing uh baseball realization from this season and i've been a baseball fan since 1990 mm-hmm. i've seen who knows how many games thousands <laughs> uh at this point and i was watching a mets game this year and they said uh go ahead runner and mm-hmm. it clicked for me finally because I, I think for the longest time, for some reason, I thought go. I was like, go ahead, run, score, go ahead. <laughs> Not, oh, go ahead. Oh, because the run will take them ahead <laughs> of the thing. And it was the one of the most, more embarrassing moments uh, that I'm now sharing with you. Uh, <laughs> it was really like, oh, shit, I'm a moron. There's, um, a, there's a lot of, like, baseball terminology. That, <laughs> but I that... should know that. I should, again, I've well, it's <laughs> it for it's, a minute. It's such a complicated sport and it comes from another complicated sport and, and you have to go like, well, that's, that's, you know, like there's going to be things that catch off guard. I mean, I, to me, I always thought like, I always like was confounded by just the term, the term pitcher. Right. Mm. Because, you know, the term pitch can mean basically means an incline, right. That's Mm. one of the definitions of the term pitch. It also means to throw a ball, but if you go back to like cricket, the pitcher is the person who throws the ball off of the pitch, which is the incline, which they renamed in baseball, the mound. And I go, so wait a minute, is pitcher named after pitch or is pitcher also just mean throwing? And that's just a crazy ass coincidence. What do you think about the, uh, the rule changes that are, that are going to happen next year with the, the shift stuff and the, the pitch clock and the bigger bases? What's your thought on that? Um, I don't think that the shift banning is going to be as um, dramatic as some people make it out to believe. I mean, yes, the the one thing I really like about the shift banning is that infielders are not allowed to stand on the outfield grass. That I think is the biggest one for me. Um, Because you can still have someone effectively stand behind second base on a on a basically a, a light shift. You know, um, just as long, but, but like, if you have a dead pull hitter and you've got a guy in the outfield waiting, you know, an infielder in the outfield waiting for the ball. So to throw him out at first base, that's, that's like, that's exhausting to watch. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I think I, a lot of the arguments that I was hearing during the season were like how it's going to make players have to be more athletic uh, in the field, which I, is always, you know, that's always welcome. Yeah, that's fine. I like I mean, that's... Wrong with more highlight plays. This game constantly changes. No, it's for sure. Constantly going through these rule changes. The pickoff one, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, I just I want more steals, that... man. I just want more steals. I love the stolen base. My favorite play in all sports. Yeah, um, I, that's why I want the Mets to sign Trey Turner. Like I want that. I want just like I want like the '80s Cardinals. Like I want like everybody. Well, it, it raises it raises the value of a catcher. Yeah. Um, it raises the value of a base stealer. Um, 
it raises the value of the, I guess, the fringe skills of baseball, which is, is, is exciting to me. Oh, yeah. Love Terrence Gore. One loved that guy. Wish he I hated that he got the only had that one chance in, in, in the playoffs. He could have done some real damage. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, yeah. I love stolen bases. I love when they signed Marte. I was all for it. I, I know he had some leg stuff this year. I'm hoping he bounces back next year and is able to steal like 30. I hope oh. once, I have a theory that once Nimmo signs a long term contract, he's going to be a little more uh, willing. Although I know in the past, it really hasn't been. It's just not a part of his game, which again, growing up, Bernie Williams was the same way. Bernie Williams could run like lightning. I think I think Pete Alonso had more stolen bases than Nimmo this season. <laughs> he did, yeah. Yeah. Alonso has the best stolen base thing, which is just like he waits until everyone forgets that he can do it. And then he just just takes it almost casually. It's yeah, it's a it's and it's just a, it's a different kind of grace, uh, is is yeah. what that is. It's the opposite uh, kind of grace of him sliding into home. <laughs> <laughs> that scares that the is, me. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole different one. But yeah, when he when Alonso steals the base, I have to believe that like everyone on the field is like a little embarrassed. Not because like, like oh, we should have been able to throw him out. But it's like clearly they were caught not paying attention. Um, he's got sneaky speed. He's he's like a, I think he had four, four steals. It's just like awareness of the field too. It know? is. I One of the best base runners I ever saw was Don Mattingly because he had like that kind of level of awareness. He was able to go from yeah. first to third and occasionally, very, very rarely, but still a base. But uh, yeah, it's you don't actually have to be like super fast. And there's all, I remember a big part of my like uh, education in baseball throughout my life has been like the back of baseball cards yeah. and also video games, baseball video games. And just looking at the stats, you see all the time guys that are not exactly like super fast, but they steal like 10, 15 well, look at who just look at who just joined the 2020 club this season. Cat Phillies catcher JT Realmuto, who while he's he fast, is, though. he 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 he's fast. Up. I think he, I'd say he's fast for a catcher. Because I mean, I don't think he's I don't think you would otherwise peg him as your base as like your base stealing threat on it like for a guy who like they they throw over to him a lot and depends another guy like russell martin was was another guy like that who had like sneaky speed he had athletic again athletic speed for a catcher i would say not the highest like sprint speed kind of guy or explosive speed kind of guy just you know a good above average speed 21 stolen bases this season that's wild 22 home runs 21 stolen bases that's amazing yeah but you gotta admire james mccann and his ball for his ball framing <laughs> yeah you, you bring me back good choice there now you get again you get it i, I get yeah, it mccann's numbers it may it didn't it wasn't the worst decision who 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 knew he'd fall off a cliff uh it was it was an interesting decision for sure i think part of part of mccann's success is that you know, back 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 when i was with the the white Sox in detroit is I don't think was he ever the no he was he was mm, kind of know, starter, looking at his line it right wasn't now. like it wasn't like every day like, he had two good he, he had two good seasons I would say like, looking yeah. at it and, and now he's and still it was all right you know I don't think he'll be in a Mets uniform next year there was a thing that it's going to be tough it's going to be tough to get rid of him because he's owed so much money I think they'll just eat eat you know fifteen sixteen million of it and just give him away for nothing yeah. No, you know, he's over like, like 13 million. Or something. Yeah, it's I think it's like, I guess, uh, like 24 million left on the contract or something. I, I'm, again, I'm sure. I mean, if they ate Cano, uh, I think, and especially with with Alvarez, but I, I think those signs, I mean, again, they could very well keep him for a while uh, because they're going to need another vet. Like, I don't think there's going to be well, a, I, Alvarez is going to catch uh, 120 games next season. I think coming off the injury, unless Alvarez has a really strong spring training, and I think they're going to give him every opportunity, I think that he'll probably start the season in AAA. That's my that's my guess. Get him get him a few like regulars there, um, and like warmed up or, or or get him hot, and then bring him up. Um, at which point, I do see them holding on. I depend to me. I feel like. I could see him as the the right-handed DH and getting the occasional uh, game and catcher, but I can also see it, what you're saying. I could see Beatty starting in AAA just because he got so little time there. Um, I feel like Vientos is going to get traded because I don't know that they have a better, more ready uh, kind of trade chip uh, right now. I don't necessarily want them to trade him, but I feel like they're going to have to move somebody. 
at some point, yeah. but I'm glad they held on to him at the deadline. Like none of the guys that they had like been rumored to go after or none or any of the guys that are uh, that wound up getting traded or that were rumored to be traded really tore it up. Like there yeah. one really like been attendee. Okay. With the OBP, but not really on like batting average. Like he dropped like from like 300 to like a 250 hitter and was injured for a month. And they were yeah. never talked about with him. So it's tough. You know, the trade deadline is, is such a strange one because I feel like the majority of trade deadline moves don't work out because a lot of it is like filling in gaps and you've got to like adjust, you got to like plug someone in and, and into a whole new dynamic and hope they like work out. But everyone remembers the huge ones. Everyone remembers you went to Cespedes in 2015, you know, showing up on the Mets and hitting like 16 home runs in the last two months of the season or, or uh, uh, I don't know. I, I can't name another one right now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's hard to, to really make like huge impacts at the trade deadline because, because uh, these guys are coming into a whole new world, but no, um, sure. I mean, I was surprised that it took that Soto kind of fell off like he did. And uh, although he seems like he's, that was a, back. that was a shock for, for the season and but, bell too. Um, jury did. Okay. I think, but um, yeah, it's just one of those. It's just one Drew, of those yeah, Drury was one of the best trade. It was one of the best ones. And when I when they had announced that the Padres traded for Drury, I was like, "Oh my god, how do how was no one looking at him?" Because he was yeah, Drury that's one was, of the guys that I was really hoping the Mets uh, might have brought in. He certainly would have been an upgrade over uh, Rough in hindsight. Yeah. And also, I mean, but again, I could see him being in play in the offseason. Again, I really feel they're going to have to add power somewhere. Um, I don't know who, and I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think it's going to be judge. Um, but I feel like, I feel like they got to add somebody that that can bring a little more. I don't know if Lolo bank has a chance to stick or not. He's so cheap. Um, he's so cheap. Yeah. And he's, he's, I think he's, does, isn't he locked in for next season? He's got locked in for next season. He might be locked in for the season after he's arbitration eligible. So no, I'm sorry. No, he has an option. It's like $1.5 million option. Um, he has an option, but and again, I mean, he was super. It. I mean, he was streaky, so it it sort of like doesn't pass the eye test. But he was like the best performer of anybody that really got moved to the trade deadline. Like I was, numbers. yeah, I was talking to some friends and and I, uh, earlier today, and and I I said, you know, if if they're going to keep Vogel back as a platoon DH option, um, I'd like to see him be more aggressive because sure his on-base percentage was great but they keep slotting him behind Alonzo and he struck out so many times looking at you know some pitches that were right in the zone somebody with his offensive profile I would mind less if they brought any level of defensive versatility or any value on the bases he's a station to station runner uh can't I don't even know that he owns a glove uh I don't know that that's going to change and he can absolutely crush a ball, uh, you know, 15 to 20 times a year and get on base at like 350. And there's value in that for sure. But I just don't, again, if they had a better option, then and I'd be all for moving him. Um, yeah. I just don't know that they're going to find that. I just, even if they have to just bring in somebody with a little more, I just don't want Darren. My biggest concern is Darren Ruff. I just want to make sure that every night there is somebody on the right-handed side who can maybe like push Vogel back on the left-handed side. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be like a pure platoon guy. Like even if it was a veteran, like JD Martinez, like, I don't know what his situation is. If he's going to be like looking for, I don't know what he's going to be looking for. I mean, he definitely had a down year. His power numbers fell off a cliff, but he's still somebody who can hit, you know, he's still somebody who can get on base and he's somebody who isn't like, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's like completely like, incapable of hitting right-handed pitching. I don't know. He's one of those guys who was, was, was one of the launch angle guys. You know, and and yeah, but he's still know. a good hitter. Like he even, oh, even he's, he's still a good hitter. Yeah, Contact yeah. great. Yeah. But you know that power falling off the cliff is is part of that launch angle thing. You know, and his cliff of, is is like his floor is vocal back ceiling. Is my is my worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, I, there was a there was a point where JD Martinez was you know the scariest guy at the plate. You know, like I remember. The last season or the season before? No, it couldn't have been the season before. Um, it was like it was like nineteen or, or twenty. He was terrible. I think he rebounded in twenty one, and he was great yeah. prior to twenty. Yeah, and the Mets the Mets faced him. I remember a series against the or where they faced the Red Sox, and it was just like the pitchers had a lot of reverence for the power in that bat. You know, they really, really like 
were on the corners and and breaking balls off, you know, off the plate and just like, cause, cause he could destroy the ball. It's just um, it's scary. I say JD Martinez and then I flash back to like shades of like, Oh, maybe well, Robinson Cano found his swing. Watch him in winter ball. He's going to be like the yeah. same thing with like Nelson Cruz. <laughs> I, I, when I, Nelson Cruz uh, played for the Orioles in 2014 and he was an absolute monster that season. And yeah. that was kind of before he really kind of had that second act. That was like after the, ter- the steroid suspension with the Rangers and, uh, and then the Orioles season. And then he kind of did like a, like a one and out Reggie kind of move and uh, went on to where was it? I think Seattle. And uh, so I think about like Nelson Cruz, I know he had like eye surgery and it's like, Oh, maybe he's right. He's 43. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, no, like get somebody who like, you can be like a little bit more uh, trustworthy. But again, like you were saying, we're just, you know, we're, we're just two, you know, two schmucks who, who watch a lot of baseball. Um, yeah. I mean, I am a fantasy baseball champion this season. So uh, there you go. Yeah. I haven't, I have, I hung up my, uh, my, my cleats uh, a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I made a little too aggressive on the trade wire for me. A little too uh, uh, impatient. I, uh, yeah. Starling Marte almost, almost, you know, ruined my uh, fantasy baseball this season. But, no, uh, the dude who broke his finger almost ruined your, your fantasy. Yes. The dude who broke his finger. But, yeah. Uh, and also yeah, probably cost in the division series, if we're being honest. Uh, yeah, absolutely, because he was he was an electric hitter for the Mets, and uh, you know was the one guy. I mean, when he came off the IL, uh, you know he was the one guy against the Padres who was hitting the ball. I love that guy. He just he just gets got it just seems like a, a true character. Uh, seems like he's fun. Um, I, I'm desperate to know the story about the uh, the Mickey Mouse uh, pendant that he wears. That is oh. very large. Hmm. Um, I don't know. He's got some, he's got a bit of heartbreak in, in, in his background. Too, I know. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's, that's yeah. that some tough stuff. Terrible, but, terrible story. Yeah. So just to jump back to um, your career, um, congratulations on the Pulitzer also. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who's won a Pulitzer before. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> congratulations on that. Um, I'm curious about in terms of your, and like you said, you weren't really a baseball fan like a super, super baseball fan growing up. But I know when I was a kid and I'm a, I, I have no drawing ability what to, to speak of really at this point. <laughs> but uh, when I was a kid, I used to grow up and like in school, I would be drawing like, like the Athlon sports, like players in my notebook and stuff like that. Did you have that, that kind of experience with athletes, baseball players or, or any other athletes when you were a kid drawing? Um, gosh, when I was a kid, you know, I was really into I, honestly, I was really into comics when I was when I was little, and then I was into Star Wars. So um, I think the only the sport I got into, like first kind of of my own volition, that was not like, you know, it's it's you know the thing to get into because they're the team. Um, it was probably basketball for a while. I was into you know I got into watching Knicks for a while. Bye, we're done. It's over. <laughs> over camp. Well, here's no. Here's the funny thing, right? Um, actually the first team I got into, into basketball was the Seattle Sonics, Mm. uh, because my dad had done, uh, an advertising campaign for them and they were the supersonics. So it was like, they're the superhero team. And, uh, uh, like I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then we started and, um, as part of like a thank you, they gave us some tickets to when Seattle had come to play in New York. And so I'd gone to the garden a few times to see, Seattle versus the Knicks and after a while it kind of just came went to like seeing the Knicks play um you know I enjoyed I enjoyed the days of like the the lunatic Latrell Sprewell you know Mm. on on the court and you know the you know Alan Houston with his ridiculous contract and and you know Patrick Ewing Ewing running down the court looking like he was his legs were just going to fall off at some point you know, like I, I found some of that, that strange, like they were, they were like strange underdog quality to them, even though they were an expensive team and uh, probably should have won far more games than they did. Um, but yeah, I, that was, it was probably the only sport I was really like into at that age. Um, I was never into football. I just, I don't, I'm not a football fan. Um, and uh Again, a few Yankees games here and there. Um, we'd go out to LA during the summers because my father had a studio out there. And so I'd, I'd, I'd go to some Angels games, a couple Dodgers games. Um, I was pretty casual about it. Now I'm like, I'm obsessed. I could I could rattle off like, 
you know, my favorite prospects in the top 100. And- oh, that's why I wanted you on because we've, we've, we've talked a little bit back and forth on Twitter and you are yeah. a very, very informed uh, baseball fan. I go catch some um, Hartford Yard Goats games mm. uh, when, I'm, when I when uh, I drive down to Hartford. I live up in Connecticut um, and I go when the Rumble Ponies come to, to uh, play the Yard Goats. And so, uh, yeah, I love watching, I love watching minor league baseball. I love tracking prospects. Um, I always check out the prospect reports during the season. Um, I'm keeping track of, uh, Dominican summer league right now, uh, not, uh, Dominican winter league right now. And, uh, some of the other minor league stuff that's going on. Ronnie Mauricio for, for the Mets. His patience at the plate is a little, is a little. But he's so young. Isn't he like 20 or 21? I mean. Yeah. They, they've got a whole crop of like young 20 year olds. Um, but he's, he's, he can play second. He can play short. He can play third. He's got the ability to, I, I don't say that he plays those positions, but they've tried him out in those spots. Um, he's a switch hitter. He's got, a, he's got a, a pretty big frame. You know, when the couple times that I've seen him play in person, I think the two, in fact, two of the games I've seen him play in person, he's hit home runs. And he doesn't hit small home runs. He he hits big home runs. Um, I haven't I haven't gone to a minor league game in in a, in a while uh, or two. Like a, at some point, I'll go to a minor league game uh, next season or two. We used to go to Trenton uh, back when. I hate what they did with the the whole like the indie leagues or whatever. Yeah, the whole. I hate that. It limits <laughs> it. It's it's so it's so frustrating. But on the other side of it, I think uh, because of that. And because of the lack of affiliated teams, I know they're going to have like the banana ball thing uh, in Staten Island. Uh, oh yeah, I've watched some of the I've watched some of the online stuff of those, those banana uh, bananas. Yeah, it's wild. I want to I want to check it out. Let's see what, let's see what it's about. Uh, it, it looks fun. Um, before I let you go, I'm curious about uh, your uh, interest in baseball movies, stuff like that. Any, any specific favorites? I always ask this question. Oh, favorites. Uh, you know, I, I just rewatched major league. Um, that's funny. That's actually, like three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think it was uh, probably within the last week I watched it. So yeah. Uh, I, I love, I love major league, uh, league of their own. It's fantastic. Um, I actually just watched Moneyball for the first time last year. And I kind of, you know, I kind of enjoyed that one. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's baseball movies I don't like. Um, I guess I was not, I guess I was not like a huge fan of, I'm not a big Kevin Costner fan, which immediately like hurts me for baseball movies. Um, but I, I, you know. Well, in the annals of this show, I, there has been uh, many testaments to the greatness of Bull Durham. So I won't do it again. Um, and a particularly, uh, a particularly strong argument made in favor of for the love of the game, uh, from, uh, Joel Church Cooper, who did, uh, co-wrote Brockmire. And, uh, and I went back and rewatched it and he was spot on. That movie does really help. And it is a really good, like late career Costner thing. So I will, I will not try to sell you on those field of dreams. I have a lot of, uh, uh, I have father issues personally. So field of dreams doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Uh, kind of like I want to run the opposite direction of that. Uh, so um, it doesn't. I do, really... I, I do love Brockmire. Brockmire is amazing. Brockmire is tremendous. Uh, I, I fell into that late, and uh, it's just such a great uh, vibe, and it really captures sort of again that same spirit of Bull Durham of this and Major League uh, of the yeah. sort of I love, kind I love of dirt bag called lovable dirt bag culture of of baseball. I think Azari is fantastic. Oh and... yeah. And it's a, it's a great cast. Um, actually, when I was a kid, I loved Rookie of the Year. I thought that movie was like the coolest thing when I was a kid. Um, I watched it again like maybe a year ago, and I was like, "Man, this is this is clearly like important <laughs> decisions on some kid's health right now." <laughs> I haven't I haven't rewatched that one in a few years. I did go back and rewatch uh little big league uh which was around the same time we had that glut of like 90s like early 90s baseball movies with that um sandlot uh and uh angels in the outfield and stuff like that and uh but yeah it's hard to find a baseball movie that's no good the one with uh, matt leblanc and the chimpanzees probably on that list oh when the the chimp plays i think third base or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's probably on the list of bad ones another one that's good i just uh i haven't seen in a while but i was uh 
watched a John Cusack uh, like talking about his career and he was talking about Eight Men Out, which is a really good, uh, a really good baseball movie. 42. 42 was good. 42 was good. Harrison yeah. Ford is doing character work. Can't, can't yeah. go wrong. I'm trying to think like Chadwick, uh, obviously. I never saw Million Dollar Arm. Gosh. It's okay. John Hamm has like this electric charm. Uh, yeah. The dude mm-hmm. is like ri- just ridiculously charming. Uh, so he kind of like powers the movie like uh, through the sheer will of that. It's a, it's a heart, it's an inspirational story, but it's another one of those like capital D Disney movies, like the rookie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, I feel a little, I feel a little like spoon fed uh, sentiment yeah. with those. I watched 61 was kind of fun. I kind of liked 61. 61 was great. I I really liked 61 and I've rewatched it a I few like. times. Uh, but again, another one that's the, the dedication to the craft of it. Uh, yeah. Getting the, the on-field stuff right. You know what's on this list? It's not a, it's not a like a, a fictional. It's a documentary that I see on this list and that I recommend is Battered Bastards of Baseball. One of my favorite, uh, my probably actually at this point uh, in the three-way tie with Bull Durham and Major League for my favorite baseball movie. Just so, and the Kurt Russell thing was such a, a revelation. Yeah, uh, that is a wild documentary. It really is. It's great. Yeah, that uh, one. Yeah. I, I watched that one, and then I like I I like I went to my wife, and I was like, I know that baseball is not your thing, but I think you're gonna love this. And like we sat down and we watched it, and she's like, I, You're right, I love that one. And and. Yeah, I made my friend watch it, and I I, I recommended that one to everybody because that's oh, it's a, such a great story. Have you watched it? Have you ever gone back and watched like the Ken Burns, like you know when it was a game? Well, I think actually when it was a game, the Ken Burns things are separate things, but uh, <laughs> like the Ken Burns like style, like like baseball, like the ten or eleven yeah. episode thing. Probably, probably when I was a lot younger, I, I caught some of those things. I used to be PBS used to be on 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 tv at my house a lot when i was a kid and we'd catch a ton of different like ken burns documentaries and things like that um and i was only half into those those things because i had video games <laughs> and, and like you'd ask a kid to like say hey do you want to watch a you know a sepia documentary or do you want to play your video games and be like well, i want to play my video games um so there you go i actually when i when i first i was in little league when i was a kid and uh my parents signed me up for little league and no one told me the rules. Uh, <laughs> like, like it's one of those things where like you're a parent and I'm I'm a parent too. And and you discover that like, like, oh, you have to teach your kids everything. There's no innate knowledge in there apart from like, do what you can to stay alive. Um, <laughs> so like, like my daughter, uh, like I talked to my daughter when she was like four or five and, 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 uh, and I was like, you know, Clark Kent. And she's like, who's Clark Kent? I'm like, wait a minute, we aren't just born with the knowledge that Clark Kent is Superman. Uh, so, so no one told me, no one told me the rules of Little League. So, so like I go up and it was, it was T-ball when I was like four or five. Um, so I hit the ball because, you know, how am I not going to hit the damn ball? I run around to the bases. I must've hit it pretty good because I was going to third base. All I knew is I found myself going to third base in the right direction. Uh, that was another thing no one told me. Um, <laughs> and I get to third, I'm getting to third base. And the, the third baseman, he's got the ball and he's holding it out towards me. Like he's going to tag me. We're on, we're in the middle of, we're in like, we're in the village. So it's not like a dirt field. So it's just, it's, it's Houston street park. Uh, so like, I'm not sliding. So he's just going to tag me. I'm not going anywhere. And I don't know why he's holding the ball up to me. So I like run up and I take the ball from him. Cause like, what else do, what else do people do when they hold something out to you? Like, <laughs> you the ball. And then they're like, you're out. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, you got to walk off the field now. And I like walk off the field and I'm like, did I, did I do it right? What, what happens now? <laughs> or like they put me in the outfield and like someone <laughs> hit the ball into the outfield and like, go get the ball. And it's like, the other guy's got it. Why am I going for it? <laughs> it took me a minute to realize that you weren't supposed to throw the ball at the other player. Like when yeah. you're in the field, like yeah. I, I definitely did that a few times. I remember when I was a kid, but for the most part, like I, when I started, uh, that was like when I was like playing around as a kid. But I remember when I actually played little league, I was like 10 for the first time so i was in the mimic your heroes uh phase of yeah. things yeah so i black uh and a jim laritz uh stance and i don't remember i don't know if you remember jimmy laritz's stance uh King with the leg out and like the cocky kind of like twirl in the bat kind of not that's why i couldn't get the twirl down that would have never happened but i like definitely like the leaned back kind of like thing and then i st- appropriately strike out every time um <laughs> like not quite oh, I see it, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite, yeah. The, but uh, yeah, that I remember trying the Griffey stance, the uh, the the Mickey Tettleton, the Don Mattingly. When I was in when I was in in middle school, um, 
they needed to fill out their they needed to fill out their their baseball team. And uh, I was left-handed. They didn't really have many. I don't know how many left-handed bats they had. And I was a, I was a pretty strong kid. I was one of the strongest kids in my school. And so the coach was like, "Hey, do you want to you know come come play on the game, play a game for us?" And I was like, "Yeah, whatever." I played little league, so I, I knew the rules at that point. Um, and uh, they put me in cleanup, and I hadn't played baseball since little league. And they're like pitching balls at me, and I was playing fucking t-ball back in the day. And so I come up, I'm in the left-handed batter's box. I'm a big kid. Um, it's a home game. Everyone starts chanting lefty. And I strike <laughs> out on three pitches. And I walk back in the dugout. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done playing this game. <laughs> yeah. I still go to the batting cage. Uh, I, I, I got to find a batting cage near, near They're me. hard to find, man. They are really hard to find. They're like... I can't tell you how many times I call a batting cage and they're like, well, the machine broke two years ago and it's too expensive to fix. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like so I've, I've been counted that so many times. Like it's really hard to actually find one that's up and running. But uh, I was in Long Island for my birthday and uh, found a place uh, before a Mets game. And I was like, okay, let me get a few swings in. And I, I damned if I didn't fuck up my back <laughs> on my birthday, which was just like, I also have uh, a, a Metrolid injury uh, in the fifth inning in game two when DeGrom struck out those two guys. Uh-huh. I pumped my fist so aggressively, like I threw my arm, and my shoulder has hurt since then. Oh, God. So my cousin's like, that's a sports related injury. Like, yeah, that counts. That's, yeah. That, that counts. Yeah. Yeah, and cheering for the Mets, which is – that's when it happens. Yeah, I'm on the IL, and, and that works. See, I, I, uh, I got to find a batter's cage, but what, what I do have is, is I live on a farm now. Okay. I left. I left the the city and I, I got myself a farm. Nice. And I had a big field outside my house, and so I've got a tee set up in the field. And uh, I have built a... it. <laughs> don't listen to the voices. Have... If they try to get you to plow into your field, don't do it. <laughs> now I've got a, I've got a tee in my field, and I've got I've got a hundred pound ball, a uh, hundred pound dog, I should say, who uh, all he wants to do is catch catch a ball and bring it back. Oh, there you go. So, I, I have a bucket of I have a bucket of balls. I put it on the I put it on I, I, I take some BP off of, off a tee and I hit the balls out in the field. My dog runs, he finds it, and he brings it back. And that's my that's the closest thing I have to a batting cage. And it's pretty nice because it's right outside nice. my house. That's that's yeah. nice. But yeah, the, the, the finding the batting cage thing is um, use an aluminum bat or wood bat. I use a wood bat. I uh, I've got uh, Louisville Slugger. It's pretty. It's a pretty. It's a pretty nice bat. I got. One, I got like a cheap one when I first moved out here, and then for my birthday, some uh, my my uh, my mom got me a nice bat. So I have a nice bat that I use. Yeah, I got a couple. I uh, I broke one in the cage a couple of years ago, and I got to tell you, that feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you feel you feel like a real live ball player for a split second. No, and it was like crack. You break one of those hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty dollar bats. You know, no, no, it was like a forty dollar like thing. Yeah. It was like because I'd had it for you. I've had the bats I have. I've had for twenty years at this point. Uh, yeah. These are real antique, uh, barely used bats. Even though I try, <laughs> barely, barely used. The kind of contact I make is not usually the kind of contact that breaks a bat. I think this one actually committed suicide because <laughs> it just it's like, dude, give it up. Uh, but it broke enough that I saw that it was broken, and then I actually did like the P. Alonzo, like broke it over my knee kind of thing. Felt just fantastic how how fucking in pardon my language how imposing and scary does pete alonzo look when he smashes a bat over his knee like it's nothing i got uh i had uh jeff perlman on uh a couple episodes ago the guy i don't know if you're familiar with him he's a great baseball writer great sports writer Mm -hmm. and he's got a book coming out about bo jackson and uh he's running through like trailers and stuff and i'm waiting for the moment when bo uh does the thing where he basically instead of snapping it over his knee which he did also Mm -hmm. but just held it over his helmet just like, yeah just pulled it down and broke it and it's like my god that's like where's babe the blue ox like should he like right around the corner from him that's crazy um, that is that is wild all right i want to thank josh adams for stopping by the show again really fun conversation uh such a a really like layered mind when it comes to baseball uh really knows what he's talking about uh again josh is a pulitzer prize winning illustrator uh and an art director uh, he's worked for Insider Incorporated and Insider Comics. Uh, he's one. He works for. Uh, he's worked for DC. He's worked for uh, WWE, Sci-Fi, NBC, Amazon, Random House, uh, IDW. Um, again, really great, really talented guy. 
Uh, you can follow him on Twitter for at, at Josh Adams, uh, J-O-S-H-A-D-A-M-S. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at J-T-A-B-R-Y-S. Well, maybe not as always. We'll see about that. But for now, uh, that's definitely uh, still a, a valid way to, to follow me. I don't know if Mastodon or whatever alternative social media service is going to quite work out. But uh, anyway, a couple of exciting episodes uh, that are planned for the, the future. Uh, continue to try and uh, knock these out and start releasing them a little bit more quickly. I'm uh, going to come right back within a week uh, with, with a new episode that is all about baseball movies uh, with an absolute expert uh, in Noah Gattel. Really excited about that uh, episode. And then we're going to talk about baseball cards uh, a little bit, which is something we haven't really had a chance, uh, aside from the first episode, if you remember, uh, the great Mike Oz talking about that, uh, talking about baseball cards back then, but we're going to talk about baseball cards coming up in a, in a fresh episode. And then again, continue to look to book people, interesting people, have some conversations about baseball, what they love, uh, you know, what bothers them, some baseball memories. It's 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 a lot of fun. And, you know, it's going to be a long off season. Uh, so we're going to try to fill it up uh, with with a few uh, cool episodes and a few cool people talking about the game that uh, we, all, we all love. So uh, that is all for this episode. Uh, bye. <laughs>